Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, welcome again to our family church here at Church on the Rock. We're glad you're here. So glad this morning. We had a wonderful first service and a powerful praise and worship in our second. I pray your hearts are open to hear the word of God. I want to welcome also all those that are watching and will watch all around the world. God bless you. I have one goal today. My goal is to meet you wherever you are in life and to take you and walk with you and give you some clear opportunity to walk on a journey today in the word And when we get finished today, that goal is to bring you to a place of prayer. Every time I stand in this pulpit, it's my goal, hopefully to meet you where you are, to make sense to you, to make it clear, to make Jesus apply to you, and then to take you to the place of prayer. I can't do it for you. I can't change your life. No one else can. No experience is going to fix it. It's going to take a relationship. That relationship will require communication. It will require you talking to the one who loves you. And if I can get you to do that, if I can bring you to the place where you will talk to God, where you will open up your heart to him, then that relationship will not only begin, but it will be strengthened and maintenanced because he'll talk back. He'll talk back in so many ways. So let's begin our journey today. If you want to get ahead, you can go to the book of Matthew. We'll be in chapter 28 just a little bit later. And we're going to be talking today about the Galilee. The Galilee. What in the world does that mean, the Galilee? Well, we'll see in a moment. Okay? The Galilee. You know, today is the day in history that Jesus walked out of that garden tomb alive and victorious. Victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Today is Resurrection Day. Wow, what a good deal. Amen. Today is the day in history. I mean, really, I mean, you you guys saw the full moon, right? And we went through Passover, you know, and, you know, the killing of the lamb and the, you know, and, and here we are on Resurrection Sunday morning. Wow. You know, Jesus left us with only one set of marching orders. We only have one set of instructions, one set of orders. He said, after he had been resurrected, he said, listen, all power has now been given to me in heaven and in earth. And for that reason, because I have all power, because I have all authority, he said, I want you to do one thing. I want you to go and tell everyone the good news. Go and tell everyone that I am alive. Now, that, that should answer it. That should answer the question. If the resurrection is a reality, everything else should be settled. That's the seal of God upon him as Lord, Savior, Messiah, King of kings. Wow. Our marching orders are simple. Go and tell everyone the good news that he's alive. Our orders are simple. But more than just modeling a set of laws or restrictions, more than us just believing that and and harnessing our lives to the guidelines as we understand the guidelines of Christianity, we must introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ and not just to the practice of Christianity. 
We must introduce people to the person, to the real Jesus, to the real Jesus, okay? Not the Hollywood Jesus, not the storybook Jesus, but to the real Jesus, okay? We must introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ and not just to the practice of Christianity. Have you ever noticed how many people are fascinated with imaginary superheroes? Have you been, I mean, it is, it's not just this generation. It's in every nation, in each generation. People are fascinated. Some people are consumed, but almost everyone knows about these imaginary superheroes. All the world wants a hero. Everybody does. You do, I do. We all want someone who can, you know, ride into town or fly into town or just appear in town, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, they're this good guy with superpowers that can do anything, that rights the wrongs and, and fixes all the injustices, that puts down the bad guys. They're noble and they're pure and, you know, and, and they wouldn't think about stealing or cheating and they don't want any money for anything. I mean, real superheroes. All the world wants a hero that can defeat the bad guys and right the wrongs in the world. In fact, I just wrote down a few superheroes. Uh, out of my um, imagination, out of my memory yesterday. Um, there's Superman and Spider-Man and Ant-Man and Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, Captain America, Flash Gordon, the Incredible Hulk, Supergirl, He-Man, Thor, Poseidon, the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, the Six Million Dollar Man, Iron Man, Batman, Green Hornet, the Tick, Black Lightning, Black Panther, the Invisible Man. Yeah, the Highlander. <laughs> Yeah, there's Tarzan. He was a superhero, right? Yeah, sure. He was, he was, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain Underpants. Y'all remember him? <laughs> there's Danger Mouse. There's Mighty Mouse. There's the Power Rangers. There's Optimus Prime. There, 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 there's even the Good Witch Wanda from the Wizard of Oz. You know, uh, uh, there's Dr. Strange, Dr. Frankenstein, Dr. Who, Mr. Spock, and even the great, admirable Captain Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. All of these are imaginary heroes. Many of them in, 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 in endowed by their creators with superpowers with abilities that far transcend the mere human experience. All of these, however, are still imaginary creations of someone who's sitting around trying to dream up somebody to help us, somebody to, to fix our problems, somebody to go to bat for us, somebody, you know, that... that Help us! Oh my goodness, here comes Superman. You know, the Lone Ranger wasn't far behind. But if we put all of them together and multiplied their imaginary superpowers by an exponential of 10, and collectively they still would not approach or even hope to do or to be what my friend really is. Jesus is the only real, 
true, living superhero with superpowers that are unimaginable that rides in on a white horse and fixes everything, everything. Let me tell you, Jesus knows your every thought and every thought of every person on this planet. He knows everyone and you're going to have to answer to him for every one of them. I didn't put that in the first service. I didn't want them running off. We have extra people in this one. Our ushers are ready to catch you. Jesus is never wrong. He knows the number of the hairs on your head and he is subtracting them second by second. He calls you by name. Jesus is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He's omnipresent. And he is omni-everything. My goodness. Without Jesus, there is no light. Without Jesus, there is no life. Without Jesus, there is no love. You would never have known love. Never. You would never have seen light. You would never had life had it not been for this superhero with superpowers. Oh my goodness. There is no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved except his name. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the author and the finisher. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is, as we talked about last week, the Lamb and the Lion. He is the creator of the universe and the sustainer of all life. Whenever God wanted to make the worlds, he made them by his word. The word went forth and created the heavens and the universe out of things that did not even exist from all appearances. My goodness. He is healer. He is redeemer. He is deliverer. He's the Lord. He is Savior. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. And He is our friend. He was. He is. He is to come. And it shocks me that He wants to live in your heart. Are you getting the picture here? Do you have it yet? Okay, let's talk a little more. He walks on water. He commands the wind and the waves, and they obey his voice. He says to the fish, swim here into this net, and they fill it up to overflowing and fill up all the boats. He walks through walls and closed doors and locked doors and just appears just because he wants to. He can cast out legions of demons with just one word. Wow, he rides upon the clouds. <laughs> he is the Son of Almighty God. He and He alone allowed himself to be suspended between heaven and earth on a wooden cross about 2,000 years ago. 
And as he hung on that cross by his own will, he looked across the ages. And for six hours, he drew like a magnet, like this super magnet. He drew sin out of your life, out of every soul. He drew every sin that had ever been committed, every person who had lived, every person who was alive, and every person who would ever live, including yours. He saw you on the cross, and he drew like a magnet your sins out of your life and he took them away from you the damning power of sin was destroyed because he changed places with you he took upon himself the sins of the world and when he had finished he willingly surrendered his life the earth was dark he declared it is finished, and he took your sins. Talk about a superhero. He sucked up all the sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be left with an opportunity to be the righteousness of God in him. And then he died. He emptied himself of this mortal life and he carried our sins to the grave and he buried them forever. Just for the chance that you would accept him as Lord and Savior. He didn't do it for pay. He didn't do it for glory. He didn't do it so he would become the son of God. He did it because he is the son of God. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. There in the sin-filled bowels of the earth, he stood toe to toe with his arch enemy, the devil, Lucifer, Satan, that old serpent, that dragon. He stood toe to toe with him. And then he laid his hands on him. And the Bible says he triumphed over him. He made a show of him openly. He defeated him. He took from him the keys of death and hell. And then he must have thrown him, as the word said, to the ground and bruised his head. Talk about a live superhero. Wow. He paid the eternal debt. My goodness. He is Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Christ. He is the son of almighty God, the creator of the universe and everything therein. He is immortal, eternal, everlasting. His eyes are like a flame of fire and out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. Demons tremble at his name. His voice is like thunder. He is just and he is kind. He is tried and he is true. He is strong and he is mighty. He is worthy of all praise. 
there really should be a movie. There really should be a superhero movie about Jesus. But you know Hollywood cannot fathom in all of their creative imagination. They could never get it right because they would sell him short somewhere. They would, they would have him have his character flaw. He had none. This is the real superhero. This is the living, true superhero. No one can imagine just how great he is. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and neither has entered the heart of any man just how wonderful he is and what he has prepared for you. There really should be a movie about this superhero. My goodness. He rides on clouds. Well, even though he is a superhero with miraculous superpowers that we cannot even fathom, we haven't even scratched the surface. Even though there's not a movie, good news, there's a book. <laughs> Authored by him. And he will live inside of you to help you understand it. And it is true, every word. It is power, every word. It is everlasting, every word. Get the book. Don't wait for the movie. In fact, if you do not have one of these, on our information desk on your way out, stop and pick up one. We have one for you waiting there. Okay? If you don't have one, you can get one this morning. You can download it on your phone as well. I bet you have a phone. You may not have a Bible, but I bet you got a phone. I'll preach on that next week. Come back. All that being said, let me tell you one of the coolest things about my friend Jesus. It's the resurrection. It's where we stand today in history. It's the resurrection. Today, we celebrate the resurrection. You see, on the third day, after laying down his life to destroy sin, he took his life back up again. He said, no man can take my life. I'm going to lay my life down and I take it up. It's up to me. I am the superhero in this story. You're not, Pilate, you're not the superhero here. I am. Romans, you're not the superhero. I am. Sanhedrin, you're not the superhero. I am. I lay my life down and I take it up. No man can take my life from me. Wow. On that third day, his spirit and his soul re-entered his body. He came, as we understand it, back to life in that resurrection. And he walked out of that tomb victorious and alive forevermore. And, and he told us, in the book of Romans, he said, if that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will cause your mortal body 
to inhabit an immortal soul filled with my spirit and you will never die because of that spirit that dwells in you. He will quicken your mortal body. Wow. What a word. Well, you see, you can become immortal as well. And for this reason, we must introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ and not just to the practice of Christianity. We're not here to make bad people better. We're not here just to teach people how they ought to live in a moral, ethical way. We are here to introduce people to the light, the love, and the life of God that he has for them in the person of Jesus Christ. We must make him real and not just some set of rules and restrictions. We must focus on him. He is our king. He is the reason. He can handle your sin. He can handle your disappointments. He can handle your arguments. He can handle your job. He can handle your family. He can handle. Can you handle him? Can you take the truth? He loves you. Today we celebrate his resurrection. It was on this day in history. That Jesus walked out of that garden tomb alive and Lord over all. Let's read that account. Have you found Matthew chapter 28 yet? Beginning in verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn... Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Then he told him, Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice! <laughs> So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Tell them. This was his first message. 
Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee. And there they shall see me. What was their problem? Well, the disciples and all those that had followed Jesus closely, all their hope was gone. They were in a situation they never expected to be in. Have you ever been in a situation you didn't expect to be in? Have you ever been confused? Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt as though that, that, that something happened that was out of your control? Or, or maybe you contributed as Peter may have thought. And, and now all hope was gone. Now you're in a dark place. Now you want to just shut yourself in, lock yourself in. Now you're afraid. Now you don't know what the future holds. That's where his disciples were. And the message Tell them to go to Galilee. They'll see me there. You see, we all have a Galilee in our life. Galilee is not so much a place on the map as it is a place in your heart. You see, Galilee is the place where it all began in the relationship for the disciples and Jesus. It was the person of Jesus Christ that they met in the Galilee. Galilee was a familiar place. In fact, the most familiar place for them. That's where their lives were. That's where they knew Jesus. That's, uh, that, you know, there were a lot of places they went with Jesus. There are a lot of places Jesus went with them and he would surely go with them every place that they would ever go in the future. But there was something special in this moment that they needed, something that they could only get in the Galilee from Jesus. What about Jerusalem? Why not just, I mean, you're here, I'm here. You know, why not us just meet here? Well, you know and I know and Jesus knew and the disciples knew that Jerusalem was just, just, just too much a place of tension, just too much a place of contention, of argument, of, of, of worry. I mean, always looking over your shoulder. Have you ever been in a place where, where, where you knew if you went there, it's just an argument waiting to happen? Oh, come on now. This is just starting to preach real good. Have you ever been in a place where you knew if you went there and stayed there and around those people, it was just waiting on bad news, waiting on another argument? Man, those people in Jerusalem were just contentious. They were argumentative. On top of that, they were religious. Always. People trying to trick. You had to watch what you said in, the, in, in Jerusalem. Boy, because you said the wrong thing. I mean, somebody's just waiting there. In fact, people are setting you up. They're trying to say things, and they're, 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 they're working hard at trying to imagine how they can say it so they get the upper hand. That's why Jerusalem didn't work. It was just too busy and frustrating and aggravating, irritating. Let's all go somewhere else. Why not Samaria then? I mean, you had to walk, you know, right through Samaria to get to the Galilee. Why not just meet us there? It's closer. It's only about, you know, 20 miles, 25 miles up the road. Well, the Samaritans hated the Jews. And Samaria was filled with bitterness and resentment from things gone past, from the past. It was the past. It was just, you know, I mean, Samaria was a place where the people in Samaria felt like they were better than the Jews. We're better than you. And, that, and, and, and they would say that. They still say that today. 
I go to Samaria, the city of Samaria. There are 800 Samaritans living there today. It's on a hillside on, 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 on Mount uh, Gerizim. And they still believe that they are the only ones. Have you ever been around somebody that really felt like they were better than you? Yeah, it's just, it's just hard to get a whole lot of hope from people that don't have any hope in you. Hello? It's a little bit hard to get help from somebody that does not believe in you. Watch out when you're down and when you're, when, when, when you're confused and when you're hurt and when you're broken. Watch out about being around people who never believed in you to begin with. How about Jericho, Judean desert? Well, they held memories of the temptations and, and, and a lot of sadness. You see, that Judean desert is, is, is where the devil really tempted Jesus and tried to trick him and, and even used the word of God trying to prove, you know, a Judean desert, Jericho. That's the place the young rich ruler on that road to Jericho, that young rich ruler Jesus said, come and follow me, but he didn't want to follow him. He was just too rich. He, there's a lot, a, lot, a lot of rich people there. Finally, Zacchaeus did something Jesus wanted him to, but that was one among so many. I know. Go to Nazareth. Meet me in Nazareth, my hometown. Well, you know, it wasn't really. Oh, sure, Jesus lived there. That's like being in the world, but not of the world. It was in Nazareth that Jesus got kicked out of church. You remember? And the Bible says that, that, that no prophet is without honor except in his own country. Family. Jesus set the record straight. He said, let me tell you who my family is. Whenever they said, oh, Jesus, your family is outside. They want you to come out. They were wanting him to come out so they could take it home and, and then bless his poor little heart. He done gone crazy. He's acting like some kind of superhero. Come on out. Hey, Jesus, your family's outside. And Jesus said, let me set the record straight here. Let me tell you who my family is. My family's not back in Nazareth. My family is those that do the will of my father in heaven. That's my mother. That's my brothers. It's the one that's walking with me and talking with me. It's not those that, that, that you would look. It's, it's, it's not from an outward appearance. It's something in the heart. How about Bethlehem? Hey. Why not meet me in Bethlehem? The place where they dissed his mother. The place they wouldn't even give her a, you know, room <laughs> to have her child. You're not going to diss the mother of Jesus and get very far in, in this life. Herod slaughtered the children trying to get to Jesus. Mary was forced to deliver in a stable. Listen, it was not necessarily the safe and warm fuzzies Jesus was looking for. These people needed help. These disciples had been disappointed. They had lost everything. They had no hope. They needed help. They needed comfort. What did they need? They needed the Galilee. They needed the Galilee. The very first place that they felt the calling. The very first place where they saw Jesus. The very first place where they heard his word. The very first place where they gave him their life. The first place where they began to see the miracles. The first place where they 
saw Jesus walk on water where they were saved from the storms of life. Oh my goodness. It's where Jesus multiplied the fish and loaves and gave it to his disciples and said, you have the joy of feeding all these people. Galilee was the place that they first fell in love with the person called Jesus. The Galilee. The Galilee. We all have that place in our life. That first love place. You see, because this world, and, and even though Jesus is with us and will be with us everywhere we go, even, even though he can walk with us and talk with us in any environment, and even though he can help us out of trouble and help us with our pain, even though he can speak through our busyness and, and help us deal with temptations and family and the past and all of the resentment and bitterness and all of the sin, even though he can help us with all of that, yet there is a special place. The place where you first met Jesus. This is not the last time Jesus will make this recommendation. Not, I mean, even to them. In the book of Revelation, he writes to the church and says, there's just one thing that I have against you. You got everything else going right. I mean, you're busy. You're working for me. I mean, I mean, you know, you're living the Christian life. Hey, you're doing, you know what I mean? Anybody looking at you would think you're okay, but there's something missing. You've lost your first love. You've lost connection with the person of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord and Savior. You've lost your relationship with Him. That relationship that you first had when you felt His calling, when you felt His love, when you felt His, His, His heart, when you knew Him and, and talked with Him and He talked with you, that first love feeling. We all have that place in our life. You see, when these disciples felt like they had lost everything, when they had lost their way, their direction, when they were confused, when they were hurt, when, when they were afraid, Jesus just wanted to get them back where they first met him. He not only sent these two women to go and tell them, go to Galilee. You know, he sent other people too to tell them. And when they wouldn't, do you know, that evening, he showed up, he walked right through the blocked door, and boom, appeared in their presence. You can read it. He said, you know, you, you, don't, you don't believe me? Look at the nail-scarred hands. Look at my feet. Touch my side. Give me some fish to eat. Let me show you. I'm, I'm not a spirit. I'm flesh and blood. I am Jesus. Go to Galilee. Well, they didn't. He, another week, he had to show up again and tell them again, go to Galilee. Because they were locked up afraid. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen if we leave? Oh, oh I don't, I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. Jesus keeps telling you what to do. Repent and do your first works over again. Give me a chance to know you like, like we knew one another whenever we first began this walk. Do you remember where you met Jesus? Do you remember what it was like? Do you remember when you first fell in love? Where is it? Where is the place where you met him? Not 
not as Bible Jesus, but as friend and Lord. Do you remember singing to him songs, love songs? Do you remember driving down the road and just talking to him? Do you remember being happy about something? Do you remember asking him to bless your children, your spouse, you know, where you were going to work? Do you remember, yeah, and, and do, do you remember the little things that you would notice that he did for you all throughout the day? Do you, do you remember that love affair? Where did you first fall in love with Jesus? The resurrected Christ wants to meet you there again. Will you go? Will you get out of the busyness of life for just a moment? Will you step outside of the confusion? Will you step outside of the temptations and just go and see Jesus? We must introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ and not just to the practice of Christianity but first we must reintroduce ourselves to him who is Jesus to you